Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on location or on premises and on topic or on premise. I'm Stephen Foskett, publisher of Gestalt IT and organizer of Tech Field Day. Let's meet who's on the panel today. Hello, I'm Troy Martin. You can find me on Twitter at TroyMart, and you can also <coughs> read my blogs at wifivita.com. Sean Neal, um, director of digital experiences for Evotech. My Twitter handle is sv underscore neil, and my blog is blog.svneil.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Avril Sort. I'm an independent consultant, and um, you're best to connect to me on LinkedIn. And um, also, my Twitter handle is Avril Sorter USA. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Ozar Dondermajulu from Salona. Uh, I run the marketing organization there. And uh, you can find me at O-Z-E-R-D-O on Twitter. So here's the thing. Uh, those of us who, like me, who are cavemen and know nothing about uh, wireless technology are a little confused right now because we come to these things like Atmosphere uh, this week and, you know, we see all this stuff that we get, like Wi-Fi, you know, there's enterprise Wi-Fi, there's, you know, uh, Wi-Fi 6 and all this. And then we also see a lot of private cellular, private LTE, private 5G, CBRS, and, 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 and we're kind of scratching our heads. We're like, well, why do we need that? What, you know, what's, what is it about private cellular that makes sense that isn't served already by something like Wi-Fi? So I'm gonna start by basically inviting Ozer to come in here and, and say, like, what is the pitch? Why does this make any sense at all? Great question. Um, I asked that to myself about three years ago when I joined Salona. Um, and honestly, the, the simplest answer I can give is wireless communication, I think we just scratched the surface in the last 20 years in how addictive we all become in being mobile and staying connected. I think we experience it in our personal lives. We always look for the best cellular signal where we are, and then whenever we're in a building, we always look for the good, great Wi-Fi signal. And I think the ability to take a cellular connection and extend it to indoor locations for your critical use cases end up like a you know interesting idea. The more we scratch the service, the more we brought our solution to market, what we realize is enterprise are already thinking multi-radio, multi-frequency, multi-technology for their facilities today. So um, our partners, actually Aruba talks about this as multi-RAN networks. So we have customers that are simply looking at this as, if you give me a solid device ecosystem, which now private seller has, and you, if you give me an additional spectrum, I will find a way to use it. Um, and many of our customers, if not all, they're considering us to be the dedicated IoT and device and robotics camera type of network, right? So your facilities, your infrastructure devices, maybe can use private cellular and Wi-Fi continues to grow and continues to deliver high capacity to a highly high density of users. So that's kind of the starting point for us. Um, right now, I think the market is 4G, right? So the actual 5G cellular that everybody keeps talking about out there with big premises of changing the world, it's actually not here yet. So we're dealing with 4G speeds at the moment and 
next year when the 5G technology actually arrives on the radios and devices, we might even have a lot, of, a lot more bandwidth and much lower latency to maybe push the boundaries a bit more on the, on the use cases. But that's kind of the initial intro, at least from my end, on how we're thinking about the tech. It's baby steps right now. It's only two or three years old. Uh, but our customers are defining a lot of interesting use cases. So we've got these uh, field day delegates here in the room. Um, we've invited you guys in to, to basically help uh, stand in for the, the, the independent world of tech. Does this make sense to you? I mean, a lot of the things that, that Ozer's just said, uh, I mean, it kind of sounds like Wi-Fi to me. So, I mean, what, what do you guys say to this? Uh, maybe give me, give me the, the pitch here. Yeah, I'd like to expand on Ozer's point there about uh, the different use cases. So I work in a lot of industrial spaces. Uh, so we have open pit uh, oil sand mines where there are 10 by 10 kilometer sections of land. And it'd be extremely cost prohibitive to deploy a, a massive wireless network uh, to power the APs, to have them connected uh, and backhaul their network connectivity using Wi-Fi. And so to blanket a large space like that, we can use the private LTE technology to, to cover that space. And we're using it for uh, methods to get uh, metrics off the automated haulage trucks uh, to measure their, their gas consumption, their braking rates, uh, how fast they're wearing out tires, uh, how big of the loads that they're carrying on the trucks. And with all the dirt that they're moving, and this is where it, uh, private LTE and Wi-Fi become complementary, uh, each truck's carrying upwards of three to 500 tons of uh, dirt on these, on these uh, transports. And so they're, given a day, they're moving massive amounts of dirt and soil. And so on day one, you may have great line of sight for your LTE tower to, to connect to these trucks. But as they build a pile of dirt, now all of a sudden the trucks are working behind uh, that pile of dirt creating shadows. And this is where we find we can deploy Wi-Fi networks with very select and focused coverage and backhaul those, those Wi-Fi access points to the LTE network to provide dynamic uh, Wi-Fi or wireless connectivity throughout the mine. Yes, yeah, so I think one thing that probably this whole panel agrees on, right, is you hear some of the stuff in the news about like 5G versus Wi-Fi or whatever. I think all of us are probably in favor of just more spectrum for more use cases. Um, so just want to start sort of dispelling that that piece because it should be all all complementary to your point, right? It, it's just it's more s space that's available, and some of it might still be looking for additional use cases. But I think you know this team probably all agrees at least there that more is better, and and uh, we can find how you know the best ways to allocate it. So I would come at it from a technology perspective, and to build on what Oza was saying, is that. Um, on the surface, someone might look at it and say, okay, Wi-Fi and 5G is both OFDMA now, is both MIMO techniques. But if you go back down a level and actually look at how spectrum is being used, um, Wi-Fi, you know, in the unlicensed is, um, you know, you jump in, use it when you can, when it's available. The cellular is very time orientated. It's time slots, is scheduled. Um, you know, it's managed much tighter. And so it's a very, very different technology. And coming back to Oz's point, if you have two different technologies, you can use them for different purposes, for different values. And an enterprise can blend those two together and couple the benefits of both worlds. And so we, you know, we shouldn't look at them as competitive because they are fundamentally very different technologies. And if we bear that in mind, we can say, yes, the enterprise really can take significant advantage on this of delivering different types of solutions for different types of problems. Exactly. I mean, the customer's viewpoint is always in our lens because we, they trust their 
sometimes there are careers, right? You jump into a technology and many of us, including myself, jumped into Wi-Fi technology believing that it could help me with my career growth. And thankfully, after spending so many years at Aruba, it did. And we all, I think, took advantage of that. There is a bit of that initial curve. Okay, I'm going to invest a lot of time and dollars and brain cells on learning 4G, 5G. Is it actually going to solve some problems for me, right? So a lot of our customers are actually thinking that. Is this the right time for me to push the boundary? We never get the question, why does this technology even exist? They, it's always the right time. Maybe it's, the, it's not the right time for us. Maybe it's not the right time for me as a networking engineer, but it's always, it's never a question of if at this point. And the good news is ecosystem supports it. So, you know, when we first started at Salona, it was iPhone 11 came out on the day that FCC said, hey, this chunk of spectrum cannot be used for trials um, in the US, it's CBRS spectrum. Right, that's the name of the spectrum where you can deploy a private 4G network today and down the road private 5G network. On that day, iPhone 11 was one of the very few smartphones that actually supported it. There were some gateway devices. Now we see Lenovo laptops, iPads, Samsung. If you have 10,000 devices, let's say for a Wi-Fi, it'd be like 1,000 devices that will support it. But you have any form factor type uh, and form factor you want. And that ecosystem really drives the um, interest from our customers. So, hey, you know, I heard from Zebra that they're now supporting private cellular. And they start their positioning, of course, around the device and why they came up with the use cases. So um, I think it's just a matter of when versus if at this point from, from what we're gathering. So if I can ask one more question, uh, uh, technology-wise. So I can understand why Wi-Fi makes sense, and I can also understand why Wi-Fi would be uh, challenging in, uh, as you were saying, like a big outdoor space like that. But of course, there's another technology, LoRaWAN, that's supposed to be taking some of this, um, you know, industrial IoT, especially over broad distances. So, um, is it a spectrum then that where, if you'll forgive the metaphor, um, sorry, radio people, is it a spectrum of solutions for different uh, niches then? So you've got sort of very, very low bandwidth, wide area, then you've got you know higher bandwidth, mid, mid area, and then high bandwidth. Short is that is that what we're looking at here with the uh, with LoRaWAN, private LTE and and Wi-Fi? I think where LoRaWAN really uh, shines is it's designed for low power, low low data rate communication. So if that's your primary requirements, it's an excellent technology for that. But when we talk about low bandwidth, we're talking like 250 kilobit type streams, like fractions, fractions of, of bandwidth. And depending on which region you're operating in, you're also limited to your duty cycles. So how often you communicate. So you may be limited to, you know, 8,000 messages per day, which may meet your business requirements, may not. So if you need more, more bandwidth or you need more regular uh, uh, data transmissions, uh, then you're looking at a different technology where Wi-Fi or um, private cellular can fit in. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense. So let's then shift the gear. Okay, so we're, we've decided that this makes sense, you know, that this is something that customers want, um, which is what we're hearing. So how do they get started? What are they doing to, to bring uh, private cellular in? That's where the challenge starts, actually, <laughs> a little bit. So um, why the, one of the reasons that we actually exist as a company, it used to take a lot of effort and a lot of dollars. I mean, some of the things that... Um, 
network engineers have to go through to actually set up their private cellular network was just so daunting that many of them actually just stopped projects, canceled projects, and never actually tried it. Um, there are a couple of pieces of the solution. There is the spectrum access license for CBRS, and each country has their own. There are the radios. There is a technology called mobile core. Evolve Packet Core is the official name in 4G, and 5G just, I think, simply calls it 5G Core. Um, there's an orchestration platform that's supposed to provision the cards, SIM cards, embedded or physical, that go into the devices to connect to the network, and then are, you know, authenticate users to the radios and the core. There are a couple other pieces, like the indoor networks, for example, needs to be talking to a timing master. There actually needs to be a PTP clock running on the network. And many of the private cellular solutions up until recently, and solutions like us were available, they would run on a dedicated internet WAN bandwidth connecting to telcos or your private cellular provider's regional cloud. Okay, so it's basically bypassing any enterprise security that you already have in place, you need to rebuild that. And then there's a couple of more things. So it's a big laundry list of things that look nothing like enterprise networking solution. You would go get the WAN bandwidth from someone, you would go get the SIM cards from someone, you will get the radio from someone else, and you will try to stitch it together. And many enterprises went, okay, well, I, I can't do that. So I would say the starting point for folks is to say, Okay, old traditional architecture, I'm not going to try to learn a lot of that pieces. I'm going to try to see if there are devices in my network that I'm planning to or planning to invest in. Can they support this technology and look for those turnkey solutions? Um, you know, benefits of 4G and 5G underlying technologies have been talked about. There's a lot of good sessions from Wireless Land Professionals Conference and a couple other environments, highly recommend watching those. Just get the fundamentals ready to go. But it all starts with the use case right now for private cellular. So device application mix, can I take advantage of you know, uh, that to define what can I use this technology for instead of just spinning cycles on which vendor for this piece, which vendor for that piece? Because now there's turnkey solutions are coming to market. Can I, my take. can I add something, a different perspective to, to yep. what Oz was saying from an enterprise perspective? One of the things we've seen in the cellular standards is they've gone from a very proprietary uh, cellular Pacific environment to adopting IP technologies. We saw that through 3G and 4G. But 5G has made a tremendous leap and they separated out the transport layers from the higher layer cellular Pacific protocols and so, and they've moved to virtualization, they've adopted RESTful APIs. So many of the, the attributes that enterprise IT uh, folks are familiar with, the data centers, um, you know, how to manage a software-defined network, uh, network slicing, they're already doing that in their enterprise. And now you see the 5G world has adopted those technologies. So the learning curve to uh, adopt 5G is a lot less then I think people fear because the underlying technologies are the same what enterprises are already deploying and they're already experienced and equipped with that. They just need to piece together this cellular terminology that sits on top of it. But if I can play devil's advocate mm -hmm. that for a minute, 
we have 6E coming, right? Mm -hmm. We have Wi-Fi 6 that's basically untouched currently, mm -hmm. right? So if it's a bandwidth and it's an enterprise adoption problem and those pieces are out there, you know, why not just move into the six gigahertz space, use the technology I'm already using with newer access points that support six gigahertz, you know, that, and then carve out that space I want for, you know, a specific use case, right? Why don't I do that? Yeah, I mean, my take would be if you look at the underlying benefits of the tech and you say, look, I moved to six gigahertz, I can now run this specific device on a clean spectrum. I have the range, you know, tens of thousands of square feet indoors and hundreds of thousands of square feet outdoors per radio for cellular is the usually the coverage range. I look at that and go, hey, six gigahertz also covers me there, pretty good range. And I'm able to manage it the way I like it. And the critical application that I want to put this thing on, actually, I can guarantee solid throughput, predictable throughput, predictable latency. You're actually erasing the benefits of private cellular pretty good, right? So private cellular is going to get you interference-free spectrum. It's going to get you really good range indoor and outdoor. And it's going to get you an application level latency or throughput promise on top of quality of service. If you're going to get that from another wireless technology and you already have it, it may not be the right time for you. You're 100% right. But usually the, one of those three benefits kind of puts the customers around the, around the edge and say, I really like the idea of guaranteed latency for this Telnet application that's running on the tablets in this warehouse. You know what? Let's move everything else to Wi-Fi and keep using it. But then this application that's critical to us, let's keep it on private seller. So that's, that's the equation right now. That would be my take, at least. And I think you also have to think that Wi-Fi is the last piece, you know, it's the radio connectivity piece. When you look at the cellular solutions and the, you know, was be, it's a total system solution. It's not just the radio, it's also the networking piece. So when you think about delivering services, you know, you're not only just bringing the radio piece and the coverage and all of those advantages that cellular brings, or, you know, the spectrum brings, really. Um, you know, you're also bringing the services that come with, uh, you know, a mobile network. And we don't see that in Wi-Fi. We don't see it cohesively provided for an enterprise environment like you will with cellular. It's certainly been formed by innovative people. Uh, people like Aruba and et cetera, deliver those solutions. But cellular has a standard that actually brings a lot of those services as a system solution, not just the radio. So on that note, another thing that comes to mind, and, and I, I know that, uh, Troy, you mentioned this as well, is that a lot of this stuff is very U.S.-centric, or at least it sounds very U.S.-centric. So from somebody uh, outside the U.S., um, how, how do you feel about uh, what's being discussed? So, so I guess uh, first off, the, the CBRS band obviously very uh, U.S. centric kind of terminology, but that concept expands into to different regions. Uh, I think there's a huge market advantage uh, to, to leverage that spectrum and, and take advantage of the features 
that private cellular offers, um, filling in kind of the shortcomings of, of Wi-Fi. So one example is one of the, the customers that uh, I'm in conversations with. Uh, they manage a lot of robots inside warehouses, and they need to send very timely messages to the robots telling them uh, where to pick a particular product from or which track to, to go down to avoid colliding with a, another robot, and they can't depend on a, a collision avoidance uh, protocol. Uh, the other challenge that they have is they have uh, global operations. So when they standardize on a wireless solution, they're, they're looking for something that they can deploy at all their warehouses globally. Right, so if you look at uh, something like uh, Wi-Fi, uh, not all the, the channels are available in every region. Uh, in other regions, you have to worry about um, uh, radar uh, impacts on your network, which causes additional delays, which is the primary motivation for, for maybe not going down the path of Wi-Fi uh, to begin with. And so for, for looking at those type of uh, solutions, they want to find something that can deploy uh, across, all, all across different regions. And so, so I, I really like the, the concept of CBRS and, and that, that, um, that kind of bubble of a private LTE. Um, and I, I'd like to see it deployed in other regions, but it's not, uh, it's not available uh, everywhere in, in all regions, which I, I think is unfortunate this time. You might weigh in from a Solana perspective, being very limited to the U.S. Mm -hmm. in terms of scope would obviously be a challenge. Can you? Yeah, so at, at this point, we have started our journey in U.S., um, actually, we are able to deploy 4G radios because of the CBRS rules in the U.S. Um, U.K., Germany, Western European countries, um, Asia, Pacific. There are several countries that are coming in. I think the total list is about 12 to 15 countries at the moment that I kind of opened up a good chunk of spectrum. But they require 5G radios to be deployed. So we're going to start expanding into the regions but the global footprint is a is a challenge right is it going to be a challenge for solutions like us um, and in certain countries we can see ourselves having to partner with a local service provider having access to a license spectrum so that the deployment methodology the way the enterprise manages it integrates with your network applies quality of service rules everything else should stay the same. Ultimately, we're doing a software-defined uh, model. Underlying spectrum will change. So for a global knock, they will log into our cloud dashboard, see all their sites, everything, all their access points, SIM cards, everything else visible. It's just that in certain countries, you might be using a different spectrum. It doesn't mean that you cannot manage it centrally, but it's a, it's a challenge uh, for a vendor like us to tackle for it, uh, for our customers, right? Ultimately, they should not have to worry about this spectrum here, that spectrum there. So it's kind of our job and our challenge at the point. Yeah. So where's this going? So let's say that somebody's listening to this and they're like, "Okay, I got you. I got you. I see where this where this matters. I see why this would be useful." Um, you know, is this just a, a point solution or is this going to be the beginning of a whole new world of uh, wireless communication, a whole new wireless uh, business, basically? Is private cellular going somewhere? I would start. Um, I think the... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hopefully you answer that now. Given that, <laughs> given that I've, you know, invested the last three years. Um, so I, I think the, if we don't get in front of ourselves as an industry, 5G slash private 5G industry, I think it really has long legs. I was a firm believer that when you go 
for example, when, you first, when we first started using Wi-Fi, we thought of certain use cases. And now look at us. We practically do everything on Wi-Fi. And when we think about a network connectivity, we don't even think about an Ethernet cable anymore. It's, oh, when you say, hey, connect to the network, everybody knows what you mean. You mean Wi-Fi. I think something like that will happen. There will be some along the way, at least that's, I'm hopeful that there will be multiple milestones and new application mix and new device mix will arrive. Robotics in warehousing is a fantastic use case because we did not thought that we will support robots in warehouses when we started three years ago. And now we have two, three customers doing exactly that and fantastic to see it in action, but we didn't thought of it, that it will be used that way. So I think when we take the steps of going there, we're going to run into many other use cases. And I think there will be milestones, for example, always connected PCs, maybe the Lenovo ThinkPad portfolio that just started supporting private seller. Maybe they start becoming really popular. So we might see some of those milestones. And what I really meant by getting in front of each other is over-promising. I mean, there is so much 5G over-promising going on right now. Ultra low latency, one millisecond, two gigabits of speed. No, you're, not, you're not getting, you're not, not getting any of that, yeah. right? So we are bringing latency numbers to a round trip between the core and the client under 20 milliseconds. Right now it's under 40 milliseconds with um, LTE. That small piece of education and being frank about what the technology does actually is helpful to network engineers and they they say, okay, I'm learning the facts. When you go out there and say two gigabits per second at one millisecond latency round trip across the network, yeah, the next time they read something real, they go, okay, these 5G guys are still, still dreaming, right? So I think right now the industry needs to just buckle up, stick to the facts, and, and enterprise network engineers should really ask tough questions to the vendors to say, Is this, can this device support? Can you run this network? Can my robotics infrastructure stay reliable? When I call you 24 seven, are you gonna pick up the phone and support me, right? So the stuff that we ask companies like Aruba every day, we should be start asking companies like us um, working on private sellers, so. One, one thing that I think is really interesting that maybe a use case people didn't think of either is uh, there's Helium, which is uh, not only a cryptocurrency, but they're, uh, you mentioned Laura Wan, they're also, th their view is to build uh, decentralized wireless networks uh, globally all over the place. So for a few years now, uh, people could buy little uh, Raspberry Pis essentially um, and deploy uh, Laura Wan gateways uh, all over cities, rural areas, that kind of thing as they built out this network. And then other companies could pay for access to that network uh, to transmit their data. So you could have utilities, uh, different companies uh, connecting their, their, their end devices uh, back home and their data. Well, in the US now with CBRS, uh, they've opened up the opportunities. Now, essentially, instead of deploying a Laura WAN gateway, basically have a CBRS base station that you can deploy uh, across the country. And so as that network grows, uh, conceivably, you could have uh, pervasive CBRS-based coverage uh, across the U.S. providing uh, these little uh, hotspots essentially all over the place. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We, we actually took on that concept in a recent episode of the On-Premise Roundtable where we were talking about um, uh, NFTs and Web3. And uh, it was one of those things where in that point we had the, the question, is this sort of a chicken and the egg moment where you are trying to trying to build up the infrastructure in hopes that the app, that the uh, users will find it 
instead of trying to build up something that is useful on day one. Uh, frankly, I'm much more convinced by private LTE or private cellular as a solution that's useful than uh, by the LoRaWAN uh, speculation, speculative frenzy, uh, because you know at least here we, you know we would be talking about companies that are deploying something that they want, that they have a use for, that fits their needs, instead of well we've got this beautiful LoRaWAN network, how about some use cases for it, you know? Uh, but on the other hand, I mean if if we do get this network built out. You know, we'll see where it goes, right? Am I off base there? I mean, you guys are the wireless experts. I'm the storage guy. What do I know? You know, am I right about this? So I, I, I think so. I, there's a couple spots that I know I've been intimately involved in where I feel like Wi-Fi has been pushed past what I'm probably comfortable with it trying to do, right? And, and I'll use an example. You know, I spent a lot of time in healthcare consulting and using smartphones to deliver nurse call messages to the nurses, including things like code blues and those types of things. Um, you know, I need to make sure if I send a code blue out that it gets delivered to that person that they can react to it, right? And and I think that becomes a place where it's like, that's like the tipping point to say like, hey, like, I should, this message should have been scheduled. It should be guaranteed to get through, you know? I don't want to miss it because, you know, something was automatically changing channels and like, you know, just somehow it got delayed or missed or whatever. So I think there's, you know, there are some use cases um, that are starting to push past the general, like, like, so, like what I would consider the tipping point to say like, hey, you should really consider these use cases looking at something different. So I'd like to had a slightly different perspective and also bringing in the earlier question as well. You know, what, you know, we've just opened up the six gigahertz for unlicensed, which is amazing, right? And it wouldn't have happened if the success of Wi-Fi wasn't there because, you know, the demand for there. But there are real problems with unlicensed spectrum in terms of the quality of service and delivery. And on the other spectrum is the license side and the service provider has been paying billions of dollars for that and they've not been using it effectively. So there's a problem over there. And so we're trying to work out where, where is there something and, and that, that something is at the moment around the shared spectrum concept, right? And can we do something there to marry the benefits of both of these worlds together? And the only technology solution for that point at this point in time is the 5G solution. There aren't, is another, another technology. Well, actually, that's not quite true. Wi-Fi tried to play in that area you know, uh, as well. But, but there seems to be this new model based on this physical layer that we need to make work. Um, and, and I think that, that, to answer your question, is, is Laura Wan just doesn't fit into that, right? That new model that we need to try and progress. But, but 5G does. And, and so that's, that's, that's my perspective anyway. I think that's where we need to focus, is that new model. So yeah, I think you touched on an interesting point um, which was the whole thing about, yeah, I think, I think enterprise using Wi-Fi pretty efficiently overall, yeah. probably. Mm. Um, but the, you know, the, all these, you know, um, telecom companies that bought up all the spectrum and, right. and uh, honestly are squatting on it in, in some cases, right? Um, you know, Wi-Fi tried to work with them. There was a period where, you know, Cisco tried to bring out, you know, APs with integrated cellular modules. Aruba went down that path. Um, you know, it's been tried, and 
the hard part was always the the carriers not wanting to really play ball, right? Right. And so now it's kind of like, okay, so we're going to enter that space with, you know, private options that are going to offer a similar technology, but it lets you control it. Um, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, and I think there is an aspect of the, that control piece that's important too from enterprise security and everything else. Cause you could say like, maybe, could I build, you know, what Salon is trying to do if I was willing to bring Verizon into my space and let them offer a service to me, maybe do I trust it? Probably not, <laughs> you know? So what do you think guys? Um, let's think about this premise. Why do enterprises need private cellular when you've already got Wi-Fi? Uh, do you have an answer for that? Um, let's, get, let's get a summary from you. Uh, this is the on-premise podcast. Uh, let's see how our premise holds up. <laughs> Ozer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know my vote on the topic. I totally agree that it should be part of an enterprise's tech stack. I saw this technology in action. Um, it does work. It does solve tons of problems. I believe it's a matter of when, not an if, for many enterprises we talk to. But I also want to repeat my recommendation to everybody who's listening to this podcast. Ask really tough enterprise networking-centric questions to any vendor that you go after. The toughest questions you ask to Cisco, Aruba, this is no different. It's going to be part of your network. It's going to touch your apps, devices, your users, your critical use cases. So demand to see the product. Make sure that you can operate it very quickly, very easily. Um, those are some of the challenges that we've been addressing. But um, it's time to treat this thing as not an island, but a part of your network. And that means a lot of different things to enterprise networking professionals. There's a long list of requirements. Um, when you're ready, make sure to ask those tough questions and keep vendors like us on our toes. So, all right. When I first started to work on wireless LANs, actually before Wi-Fi existed, you know, the, the scenario was always these isolated cases, like in a conference room, in a storage location. And I feel like 5G is starting there where we're looking at it in Pacific markets, like the industrial environment, the, the hosp hospital environments. Uh, but I think just like Wi-Fi is going to grow and become ubiquitous across an enterprise. And I think, you know, you're going to find Wi-Fi and 5G just because it's delivering quality of service, it's delivering reliability, um, but there's some things it doesn't deliver. And for large amounts of data, you really will do want to stay on Wi-Fi. You know, it, it does have more spectrum. It does have higher data rates. You, you've got a nice complement there that overlay right together. And I think an enterprise would be foolish not to consider that because wireless is so critical to our business. Why wouldn't you want to look at reliable wireless? I mean, it's, it's like a no-brainer. You have to look at it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, I, I would agree that there's, it's, it's got to be, the, I think right now it probably needs to be the right use case. I do feel like, you know, this term of random or of radio access networks and having a more broad look at what wireless is, whether it's, you know, traditional Wi-Fi like we've been used to, LoRaWAN, Bluetooth, you know, CBRS type technologies, I think, yeah, it just becomes more bandwidth to be able to solve more problems. And so 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I do think there's there's a definitely a use case for it, I and mean, it, it may be early for some, right? Some people may never need it, and some people might, you know, live and die by it, roughly, you know. So um, I do think there's a good use case for it. I think one of the challenges we'll face is, uh, as technical people, we like to the jump into the, the deep end and get involved in all the technical facts and the specifications and dig into that. But I think it's important to step back and look at the, the business requirements and the business needs. Ask why are you trying to solve the problem that you're solving and take a hard look at that, which will help, uh, help you to find uh, what you're looking for out of those technical solutions, right? And so they're very specific uh, things that uh, private LTE solves, such as uh, guaranteed delivery, uh, low latency, uh, large large distance uh, coverage, but there are other things that uh, it falls short of uh, compared to, to Wi-Fi, so that high capacity. And depending on your environments, uh, you want to look at uh, all the costs that are involved. It costs a lot of money to engineer a tower that's 200 feet tall, right? So you can deploy a lot of APs for the cost of building that tower, running power to it. Uh, if you want redundant towers in case something happens, uh, they can be quite expensive solutions. So uh, looking at the, the overall needs and business requirements and taking a hard look at the, at the cost of deploying uh, both solutions. Yeah, I think that that's pretty much the, the smart answer. And, and frankly, I think that Ozer's answer is the right answer. You know, ask, ask the hard questions. Don't get too excited about the technology for the technology's sake. Start asking about, you know, what is this going to solve for me? Is it really going to work? Is this really a solution that's going to be a strategic solution for me? Because anyone that's going to be deploying private cellular, it has to be, I think, a strategic technical decision for that company, not just another wireless network or another uh, technology to apply here or there. I think this has to be, it has to really make sense for them. And if it does, well, it's a good thing that there's companies out there that are making these products that will be enterprise class, not just, uh, you know, oh, well, you can kind of cobble this thing together, but a really enterprise class uh, private cellular network. I think it'll probably make a lot of sense for some people. So thank you very much for joining us for the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, uh, please do get us, give it a subscription. We're available on most podcast services as well as uh, YouTube slash Gestalt IT video. And you can find show notes and more episodes at gestaltit.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.